0: Okay, we're back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 11th, 2008. Continuing with the Manifest Sons of God teaching. The next portion of this is uh, regarding the elitism, which we've already kind of mentioned that this whole movement uh, breeds into these people, it seems. The elitism of this group of super saints is very appealing. Who wants to be just one of the crowd? Concepts used to explain this role are the 30, 60, 100-fold, outer court, inner court, and holy of holies, and three, twelve, and 70 disciples. <laughs> Mike Bickle puts it this way. This is one of their apostate guys. This is from Visions and Revelations. There's apostles, there's eminent apostles, and then there's the most eminent apostles. This sounds like the Freemasons where we've got Master, worshipful master, most worshipful master, you know, most sovereign grand inspector general, you know, it's just it's just like any elite cult. They've got their titles, they've got their elite statuses, and it's no different. And then he goes on to say there is various levels of apostles, and the Lord was showing us that. Out of, oh, I can really remember there being a hierarchy of apostles in in the in the uh, New Testament. Yeah, I can really remember that. And again, that's all tongue-in-cheek. So then he goes on to say, Out of this movement, there would be 35 apostles. That would be the highest level of apostolic ministry. The government rests on the apostles and the prophets. So, you know, I'm sorry, I just have a really big problem with these guys who walked around today and they introduced themselves. Hi, I'm Apostle Stan. Or I'm Prophet Joe. Oh, really? So, you're, as an apostle... You can do the works of an apostle. That means that you can do the things that they were doing, you know, after Jesus Christ left as an apostle, right? You can, you can go and you can lay hands on the sick and they're healed, and you can take up deadly serpents and be bit and, and not have it bother you. Can, you can drink poison, and that, okay, you can do all that stuff. You can do all the stuff the apostles were doing. Or, as a prophet, you know, you can prophesy, and you nail it every single time, biblically. And you do it in such a way that always confirms the Word of God, never contradicts it. Never, ever, ever, in any case I've ever seen, is what the scenario that I just mentioned true. If that was true, I would say, hey, maybe we need to take a a, a look at this. Maybe we really need to just kind of like look at this. I mean, if they can back up the Bible, and they're glorifying God, and they're leading people to Christ, and they're doing it in a biblical way, I'm not going to try to put God in a box. The problem is, is I don't ever see that happen. I see these people in total abject apostasy. They don't even know what Bible to read. They don't even know what the Word of God is. They're in some 501c3 corporate institution that has hoard itself out to God for the most or poured itself out to the devil for the most part. And they're expecting me to believe that they are apostles and prophets? They're following men rather than following God. They're embracing heresy. They don't really normally emphasize any type of holy living, it's all the new revelation, the new wine that they're after. The wine, signs, and wonders. That's what matters, because you know that's real, and I can feel and touch that. Whereas Jesus Christ said a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. You know, they follow hirelings. Who have no true love for the sheep. Wolves in sheep's clothing. False apostles, deceitful workers, as the Bible talks about. That's what I see. You know, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. So if we go further, he goes on in this article to say, this reminds me of the 144,000 in the Watchtower Society. Now, we just talked about that when we just did our uh, expose on the uh, Jehovah Witnesses. One hundred forty-four thousand, you know. Now you can't be one hundred forty-four thousand in the Jehovah Witnesses anymore because they've all been that all the slots have been taken. There's there are still a few one hundred forty-four thousand left on Earth, but they all I think after nineteen thirty-three in the Jehovah Witnesses there was no more. So all the all the slots were filled. But I'm sure if you had an, the right amount of money, you might be able to buy your way in there. I don't know. It's always usually about the money, but again, it's this elite status. And we've talked about the 144,000. Revelation is very, very clear that the 144,000 are Jewish male virgins, 12,000 from each tribe, minus the tribe of Dan. There's another Dan, another tribe they insert in there. And it's clearly spelled out in Revelation. It's black and white. So unless you're a Jewish male virgin, of a certain tribe, of a of a certain Jewish tribe, there's no chance for you in being one of the 144,000. See, to be in a cult, there's so much biblically you are forced to overlook. The last thing the devil wants you doing is getting in the King James Bible and seeing what it really says. And if you're not saved, even if you get in that Bible, it's going to be hard for you sometimes to figure it out. That's why the preaching of the word is, is to them that are perishing foolishness. Okay, so really, you know, not to say you couldn't read the Bible up to the point where you got saved, but being saved and having the Holy Spirit lives inside you gives a whole extra dimension to the understanding, the interpretation of Scripture. Because when the Comforter comes, he will teach you all things wherein I have taught you. This is what Jesus Christ was talking about, where he said is it, is it, it is expedient that I go now. Because the comforter needs to come. The comforter being the Holy Spirit. So, if we go back to this, it says, yes, there are ministries within the church, and, and God has placed some authority to be respected as leaders, but the Bible always talks of the body of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12 and, through 14 shows us clearly that whatever our ministry, we are all of one body, and that there is not an elite upper class. Again, God wouldn't do it that way, because if that were the case, you know, if we had some elite upper class that took preeminence, you know the pride would come in, every single time. This is the one thing Jesus Christ always rebuked the religious Jews about. Calling them serpents and vipers, saying you've omitted the weightier matters. And, you know, you've done all these things to be seen of men, like when they gave and that when they when they had to have the uppermost seat in the synagogues, and things of this nature, this is not something we want to pursue. Remember, Jesus said, they that will put themselves last shall be first. Let those that are greatest among you, let that man be your servant. That's why Jesus Christ came in that servant model, because he was our example for us. They that humble themselves shall be exalted. Remember we've said all these things? Oh no! Not in the Manifest Sons of God movement. No, you exalt yourself in order to be exalted further. But as the Bible says, "Verily, you hath your reward." It's like when you when you when you give, so you can be seen to give. Verily, you hath your reward, because you have no reward in heaven. All they're doing is storing up wrath from God. So the whole concept of Christ has been changed in this movement, and the orthodox reading of Scripture. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, one, one person is the Christ, the Lord's anointed. One person is the Christ, the Lord's anointed. But this is changed in the Manifest Sons of God movement, where the body of Christ is actually Jesus Christ. Therefore, whatever the scriptures say that Jesus Christ is going to accomplish something, we now are to read that at, as that is to become uh, accomplished by the man-child, Manifest Sons of God, body of Christ. Okay, so we've usurped this this manifest sons of God have have tried to usurp the position of Jesus Christ and take preeminence over him, as we've clearly pointed out. This is a quote from George Warnock in the Feast of Tabernacles, page 35. He says, And this shaking is going, going to cast Satan and his principalities from their heavenly throne. Heavenly. Hmm. I didn't think Satan and his principalities were in heaven. Maybe the second heaven, not the third. That's a whole other study, but... That's a, that's a real weird way to word it. <laughs> you know, That's not the way that you'd want to word that. But anyway... And this shaking is going to cast Satan and his principalities from their heavenly throne while the sons of God ascend into the heavenlies. Now they're going to ascend into the heavenlies, Doug. The sons of God. Yeah. I guess they're going to sprout wings. Go extra-dimensional on us, too. Not to mention usurping Jesus Christ, calling themselves God, doing things that even Jesus Christ said he wasn't going to do. Oh yeah, evidently they're going to you know try to do it all. Unbelievable. Then he says, first of all, the Spirit is to take upon themselves the authority which belongeth to all those who are overcomers, and entering this place of power and authority, the sons of God shall be able to administer protection and comfort and help and deliverance to such as are in need. And again, they're, they're acting as though the sons of God are our deliverers. They are our hope. <clears throat> the sons of God now do the work, not Jesus. This is a different Jesus. My Bible tells me that it is Christ that will do the work, not men. He is the one who is dedicated, who has defeated the enemy when he returns... He will set up his kingdom. The moment I assume that I will be doing what the Bible says he will be doing, I have dethroned Christ and sat there myself. He put it very good there. That's what I liked about this article. It was, it was very succinct and we stuck to the points. Yeah, you want to dethrone? try to dethrone Christ? You can't do it. But that's what they're attempting to do here. <clears> hmm. <throat> Maybe Satan has found a way to put his original problem of authority onto mankind. But that is what is interesting. But what is interesting is that that it is described in the opposite way. Now this is a quote from Rick Joyner from the Morning Star Journal. (laughs) I used to get that. I used to be on the subscription list for the old Morning Star Journal. Rick Joyner. Yeah, I was a (laughs) card-carrying member of his glee club fan club, oh yeah, so he says, the change that is coming to the body of Christ is so profound that the world will have a new definition of Christianity, oh yeah, how mm-hmm. yeah. About those who submit to, to him in truth, meaning Jesus Christ in truth, will be the most dangerous and most powerful people on earth, and will be the greatest threat to the antichrist spirit that now sits in the church as a substitute for him. The Antichrist spirit that now sits in the church as a substitute for him? Huh. Again, they're going to be working hand-in-hand in in lockstep with the Antichrist in order to bring about this dominionist theology. They're not going to have a problem with the Antichrist arising, because they're going to believe that the Antichrist is Jesus Christ, and that by their... Actions they brought him here to have his dominion kingdom on earth. So they're going to believe that when we're actually in the tribulation, that that's actually, the tribulation will pretty much be done away with, I believe. They're going to buy this lie, hook, line, and sinker, most of them. I I pray to God, some of them wake up. I pray to God they get saved. I don't want to see these people go to hell. But the bottom line is, is if you're in this movement and you're embracing these false teachings, how can you how can you be saved? Because this is so contrary to the Bible. This is another gospel. I mean, really another gospel on this one. This isn't even close. Notice this reference in this last quote to the Antichrist spirit in the church. A church that is not good enough yet. A church which is about... A church about which is one... A church about which one leading prophet said, God is bored with the church. So one of their leading prophets said, God's bored with the church. Well, he's probably angry with the church. But bored? Okay. Strange that we do not see this within the scripture, but only in the teachings of men who feel they are to be part of this elite group. Christ loves his church and died for her. He also says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Jewel... Van Der Mer- Merur, sorry, that's the name, of the Sermon Ministries, responds in this way. Um, does that hit you? Now, that, now the true church is being called the spirit of Antichrist. The ones who do not have their eyes open now to see the church of God is here in the flesh now, manifested sons of God, are you willing to accept that as a, as a Christian? Are we willing to look for another Christ? Do you accept that the church now coming forth and being manifested is the coming Christ we have been looking forward to since he ascended into heaven? In other words, this manifested sons of God movement, that's Christ coming back. That's the Christ we're to be looking for. So they believe that they've got to establish this thing the quicker the better because the quicker they do it, the quicker Christ comes back. Because they are Christ. That's the point I believe uh, this person's trying to make here. So do you have, do you accept that the church now coming forth and being manifest is the coming of Christ that we've been looking forward to? Since he ascended into heaven, and the two men stood by him in white apparel. Which also said ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall also come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Doesn't say he's going to come back as as a the manifested sons of God to take dominion over the earth. That's how he's going to do it. As we said in the beginning, we are not dealing with one organization, but with belief and philosophy. A philosophy that teaches that the Church of Christ, in a corporate sense, and that she then undertakes the responsibilities that the Bible says are exclusive, exclusively reserved for Jesus Christ. Not everyone goes to the same extremes, but the basic beliefs that lead to these extremes are common. Now, some of these articles were written quite a quite a while ago. This next article I'm quoting from is from 97, but it's just as valid today. It, actually, it's more valid because things have gotten more and more apostate. This is from Discern le- newsletter, entitled The Manifest Sons of God, uh, Volume 8, Number 2. And this starts out by saying, Actual letters written 50 years ago regarding the latter rain movement by the executive presbytery of the assemblies of God expressed expressed deep concern at the departure from the Word of God by those adhering to that revival. Now, this is the Assemblies of God that were concerned with this. So, within the Pentecostal movement, the Assemblies of God, which is like, you know, the I don't know if you call it the parent church organization or whatever, but they were concerned 50 years ago by the Lateran movement. You know? <laughs> so, in a second letter... And they were concerned when they said, they noted that the human spirit was being exalted in a spirit of ecstasy. In a second letter, one of the prominent ministers of that revival, this latter-day, latter-reign revival, rejoiced as familiar doctrines were removed and became past truth. Now, let me just interject something there. The Bible says, to seek ye the old paths... Wherein is wisdom? The old past. God is not the author of confusion. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. I changeth not. Okay, all these verses, where it talks about in the Bible how he doesn't change. He's not the author of confusion. He's not double-minded. But see, now we need this new move, this fresh move of the anointing. The new wine movement, you know? All that junk that they talk about. But see, that's their excuse to bring in extra unbiblical heresies. It's a new work of God. Show me where it says in the end times we're supposed to change the word of God. And supposed to start reinterpreting In fact, let's just throw our Bibles out. If we're going to do that, that's what they're doing. George Houghton pointed out that some of these present truths they had learned by revelation knowledge. That's another word you'll hear a lot, revelation knowledge. And again, if whatever you think you're hearing from God doesn't line up with the Word of God, you're not hearing from God. You're hearing from a lying, deceiving, deceitful, devil spirit. I could say that with all confidence, because I know the Word of God does not should not be contradicted by one of these spirits that's supposedly giving you revelation. If it's really coming from God, it should confirm Scripture, not contradict it. Like the Bible talks about, if the trumpet given an uncertain sound, how will we make ourselves ready for war? Well, this is a trumpet. You're, set, you're telling me you're hearing this stuff from an angel? Or from, from you know, God or Jesus? They, they make all kind of claims. It's very easy, just compare it to Scripture. So, George, he pointed out that some of these present truths they had learned by revelation knowledge, the most important of these, the most important of these revelation truths were the new truths being manifest, being the manifested sons of God. That was the most important thing that's went on within the Pentecostal movement. Manifested sons of God teachings are again flooding the church. The core of these teachings are readily found in terms that have been used and, taken, and have taken a particular spiritual meaning. One of those terms is birthing. One of my favorites, birthing. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. This term is being used throughout the church today in connection with intercession. The church must go into labor. labor, Laboring intercession to help bring forth a, quote, new people. Oh, yeah. Now, I think we should all get, you know, we should all start to go into birth pains here and bring something new, birth something new into the spirit realm. It is, it is unusual, as part of the manifestation of the present latter rain revival, to see people doubled, doubled up in birth pangs, looking and sounding as though they're about to bring forth a delivery of a baby. It's not unusual. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my, my testimony in this in a second. The emerging glorious church is about to be born. The church will be as Christ himself walking on the earth. Some refer to the church as the man-child of Revelation. So we're birthing the man-child, Doug. I'm sorry. This is just... This is just unbelievable. But, I, see, I've been there and done it, so I, I, I've i seen it all. And um, either it's going to make you really mad or, or you get to a point where you have to almost, you know, be angry and sin not type of thing. Some refer to this church as the man-child of Revelation. Others believe it's the 144,000. Again, they're really reading their Bible clothes. You know? Uh, there are those who even call it Joel's army. So they might be even birthing that. Now, let me give you a little testimony on my experience with birthing in the church. I was in this Pentecostal church for a while. And I, like I said, I had gotten the revelation in the King James Bible. That totally opened my eyes to all the heresy going on there. And I, mean, I literally mean that. I didn't know that was going to happen. But it did. When I started reading the Word of God, my eyes got opened. Came out of that church, and I had about nine or ten, I believe, people that followed me out of there. I was, I was teaching a Bible study at that time in the church. And I showed them the the, the thing on the King James. And I also showed them a, 20 hours of footage on, um, I believe it's called the Toronto Revival Unmasked. And I've got the quotes from that on, a, on an email. If you want it, just email me and I'll, I'll send it to you. And um, it was 20 hours of footage on these videos where it was slowing down the tongues, it was seeing people, what these Pentecostals were doing on and off camera. And they were actually, you, when you got to the end of the 20 hours of watching this, you were convinced they weren't just deceived, guys like Benny Hinn and Copeland. They weren't just deceived. These guys are satanic plants. Why would that surprise us? If Satan was going to corrupt something, and we know that this movement is corrupt, we've already seen evidence of that, would he corrupt, like, the people warming the pews? Or is he going to corrupt, like, the big guys at the top, who are all in it for the money? Well, he's going to corrupt them. And then they're going to corrupt you, if you give them that chance. If you set yourself under their authority, they're going to corrupt you. So, I got got out of all that, but, you know, I was still thinking well maybe maybe the Pentecostal way maybe there's a better way to do it and I had a guy mention to me that this sect of Pentecostals called the United Pentecostals are King James only. I didn't know that. So I did a uh, looked up in the phone book and there was one United Pentecostal Church in my hometown and I thought well I'll take my little group over there and we'll see what's going on over at this United Pentecostal Church. They used the King James Bible. Maybe they got it all figured out. I don't know. Turned out to be one of my patients was the pastor. And his wife, who was also a pastor. It's always a good sign. And um, so I go there with my group. And it's really really kind of like a house church. It was in like the middle of this residential neighborhood. And we go there... And, um, now, granted, I, you understand, I just came out of a radical Pentecostal church. I mean, we're talking, we were radical, tongue-talking, holy rollers, the whole nine yards. Okay? Prophecy, the whole thing. Visions, and all kind of stuff. This church blew away anything I had ever seen. I only thought I was radical. I was wannabe radical compared to them. Okay? I was a Piker. I, I'm serious. I, I was nothing compared to these guys. They were way more spiritual than I could ever hope to be. I'm being tongue in cheek here, but so I go in there and I got my group of people there, and, and they they start up the the music, and it's just chaos from the get go. And the Bible says that you know everything should be done in decency and in order. You know that's one reason that these Pentecostal free for alls are unbiblical. The whole decency and an order thing. Having a holy reverence for God. The Bible also says to lay hands suddenly on no man. Okay? And these are all the, the, the scriptures I quote to these Pentecostal preachers. So, the music starts up and, you know, everybody's dancing around and jumping around and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And we're just kind of sitting there. And I mean, we just came out of radical Pentecostal church, but, you know, even this is a little bit strange. And they're their men start to come around and they were starting to lay hands on the people that I was with. And we don't even know these guys. Now, they didn't try it with me, but the ones that were with me, that was there up to them. If they were going to let them lay hands on them, you know. So they were laying hands and, and I thought, oh, this is crazy, you know. I mean, come on. And then the women in the church and the pastor's wife, who's also, I believe, a pastor. She goes up to the front. And there's all kind of chaos going up in the front now. We've got one lady doing what they call a, I would term it as a box jig. She was she was, she was, was dancing in a square. She was going in a square, back and forth, back and forth. And so she would go one to the side, to the side, back in, in this dancing jig, okay? Then we had another lady next to her that was... Standing in one spot, and, and you can imagine, at, she was at the waist, and she was she had really long hair, I'll never forget this, and she was bobbing down and, and bobbing up again at the waist, really, really fast. So her hair was flinging in the air. It was a real spectacle to behold. So we had one lady doing a box jig. We had the music blaring real loud. We had their men laying hands on everybody. We had this other lady doing her demon-possessed... um bobbing at the waist thing hairs flying everywhere I'm thinking, yeah, this is really indecency and in order, you know and then we have the pastor's wife go up to the front and lay down on the floor so she she gets on the floor in a fetal position we got all this other chaos going on, and then women in the church one by one start going up to her and start climbing onto her back I'm not making this up. I saw this. So they start climbing onto her back while this cha- in the midst of all this chaos. It's like a three-ring circus. Yeah. And they start making all these noises. Groaning. Like they're in pain. And it goes on for a long time. This wasn't just like five seconds of this. This was a long time. And... After a while, it was like this mat i think all the women at that point started to join with the pastor's wife because she took the you know the bull by the horns and was up there in the front and was was they were they were they were in the and, i don't know after probably about five minutes it was this big mass of female humanity writhing on the floor and at the at the front of the church and you know they're groaning and, and and like they're in all this pain and all this other stuff and I found out later that they were birthing something into the spirit world. This is what this is what we're talking about here with this manifest sons of God. Okay? I'm not making this stuff up. Now, you can imagine I don't think they were just putting the show on for us visitors. They probably do this just about every service. Again, you see how this is works-based as well? They believe they've got to go through all this rigmarole in order to bring forth the Holy Spirit or to bring forth whatever manifestation they're trying to do. All they're doing is birthing devils if they're birthing anything. You know what I mean? It's like they're birthing a big giant devil baby. I can't imagine whatever other fruit you you would do from this. There were so many scriptural things that were being violated. I mean, how the women are supposed to conduct themselves in the church. How you're not supposed to lay hands suddenly on no man. How everything should be done in decency and in order. Uh, You know, everybody's praying in tongues at the same time. It it was was utter chaos. And afterward, after we had got out of there, and after I had a week to think things over, because remember, I'm still coming out of this stuff. I wrote the pastor... And I, and I pointed out all the stuff or a lot of the stuff that he was doing wrong and the wife responded back to me and their response was, "Let go and let God." <laughs> wow, I, I've, I just I've never been able to find the book chapter and verse on that one. So you see why I'm a little bit passionate about the whole Pentecostal thing? you know I've kind of been there done. I do not want these people to go to hell, okay I want them to get saved but I don't see how you could be that deluded and that saved and stay in that stuff year and year and year in and year out and think you're doing God's service and never have any chastening from God to come out of that because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. Now, when I was in this stuff, God was chastening me. I mean, all the way up until the time when I came out of it. And even after. Chastening is God's way of spanking you. Okay, so... Anyway, I just wanted to give my little testimony there on this whole birthing process. Because it is real and they do do it. So if we go further, this is another quote. And it says, At the time the sons of God will be fully manifested on the earth, widespread spiritual warfare will will result with the sons of God doing battle with Satan and his demons. doesn't say anything about Jesus Christ or the angels. Oh no, it's just the sons of God. They, they've taken a back seat now, Totally. You notice how they've put themselves in the front seat? And Jesus Christ is in the back seat? What audacity! As Joel's army, as it will be called, that's another term they use, conquers, as it will be called, conquers Satan and company. So Joel's army is going to conquer Satan and his company. The non-Christian nations of the world will be defeated once the earth has been subdued. Where's this in the tribulation? huh? Joel's army is going to defeat Everybody? And then all the nations are going to ah uh, boy, you have got to ignore so much obvious, biblically, uh, Bible scripture in order to embrace this. That's the thing about it. So then it says Jesus will come back to Earth and be given the kingdom that has been him, has been won for him by his man child company. His man-child company. That's who's going to win it for him. Not Jesus Christ. Not him coming back on a white horse and the sword of the Spirit coming out of his mouth. King of kings, Lord of lords, wiping him out at Armageddon. No, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. The man-child company is going to take care of this battle for Jesus prior. Do you know how much scripture you have to ignore to believe this? Again, I'll just keep emphasizing that. The Manifest Sons of God doctrine teaches that these sons will be equal to Jesus Christ. Immortal, sinless, perfected sons who have partaken of the divine nature. They will have every right to be called gods. And, and will be called gods. What's not the like? Doesn't this make you feel warm and fuzzy? Before proceeding, let us stop and check this out. The Manifest Sons of God doctrine teaches that the church will be restored to a position of power. Apostles, prophets will be raised up, will be established in that authority. Under their authority, the church will be perfected. She will mature, and in unity, there will be a generation that has matured into the full stature of Christ. Yeah, they're going to be in unity with every other religion when it comes down to it. Under the one world system of the Antichrist. Where do these deceptions come from? How can I... Tell you this kindly and gently. They are doctrines of devils. These teachings will damn your soul to hell. They, but they sound so spiritual. George Houghton's letter spoke of fasting, praying, and earnestly seeking. Yet he acknowledged they departed from the past truth. They forgot the ancient past. See, just because they talk about fasting, praying, and earnestly seeking, which is something that, yes, we as Christians should be doing, just because they talk about that, and just because they do that, so what? So do Witches. You know, you know many witches and occultists that are very serious about their religion, or they're, they're more motivated out of fear of Satan than anything else, a lot of times. They'll fast and they'll pray and they'll cut themselves like the prophets of Baal. They'll do the same thing. Their motivation's way different. But that doesn't make you you godly just because you do that. But they've forgotten the ancient past. Remember, the Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And the word is the foundation of our faith. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? For the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. God's promise to preserve them from this generation forever. Remember, forever, O oh Lord, that word is settled in heaven? These ancient landmarks don't change. But in order to embrace any of these cults, whether it's this cult or what other pseudo-Christian cult you want to follow, you have got to change the word of God in order to embrace it. And it, you notice it always comes back to the word of God, every time. Because if we just stick to that, we wouldn't have all these problems. We could eliminate all of these problems by just sticking to the word of God and not following man and embracing doctrines of devils. The Bible also says in Proverbs 22, verse 28, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Well, this is an ancient landmark. The Bible. Don't mess with it. Don't take away from the words of this book, lest you take lest you take your, your name out of the book of life. It says that at the end of Revelation. Don't add to it, lest he add, you, add unto you the plagues of this book. Go to the end of Revelation. Read that. Not something you want to be messing around with. Now, I'm going to read an excerpt from this email I got from a lady in South Africa. She sent me a lot of interesting articles. Uh, She's probably listening to this right now. I thank you for all the stuff you sent me. Um, And she said, she was talking about this global day of prayer that's coming up, or or that they have. um, In this particular time frame, May 15th. And it says, the Global Day of Prayer is a three-part event that features a day of global prayer scheduled for May 15th. Sarah Leslie is a researcher and writer with the Sermon Minis- Ministries. And in an interview on, two- on May 10th of 2005, she stressed the fact that prayer to be prayed at this event was to be only used was to be the only one used, and she said that it was similar to the Great Invocation. Now, we talked about the Great Invocation when we did our teaching on the Lucius Trust and Lord Maitreya that I did recently. Just just key in Lucius, L-U-C-I-S, in my sermon box, in the search box on my homepage, and you'll find it. It's very interesting. Because they talk a lot about this Great Invocation, which is essential. The occultists believe that this Great Invocation is absolutely essential to the emergence of the Antichrist. Or who they call Lord Maitreya. Now Lord Maitreya has a United Nations sponsored website. And he's intricately tied in with the United Nations. So I thought that was interesting. Because now we have these pseudo-Christian groups. Calling for the National Global Day of Prayer. Which is very similar to this Great Invocation. Which is a prayer that the, the United Nations... And Lucius Trust is essentially begging people to pray in unison in order to bring about the emergence of the what they call the World Teacher or Lord Maitreya. There's, there, he's going to be known to different things to different people: Krishna to some, Buddha, the fifth Buddha to others, Imam Mahdi to the Muslims, Jesus Christ to some. They're going to think he's Jesus Christ. The Jews are going to call him the Messiah. He's the one that's coming to deceive the world. But in order to bring about his appearance, they are firmly convinced that this great invocation... What is an invocation? They're trying to invoke a spirit. See, these types of prayers do matter. It's not just like they're going through the motions. On a spiritual witchcraft level, they are opening doors to ultimately usher in this kingdom of the Antichrist. Now, the Bible clearly predicted it was going to happen, but it has to happen somehow. And this is one of the main ways they want to bring it about. Now, this Sarah lady that they were talking to was concerned that it was similar to what the New Agers called the Harmonic Convergence. This is what Pope John Paul II had at Assisi in 1986 when he gathered all the world's leaders to pray for peace. The only thing is, with all the world's religions, is that their God is Lucifer. Now this is from this email I'm quoting from, that this lady sent me. Um, And then we go further. Organizers claim this effort is supposed to create a greater Pentecost. The idea is that God will come with a greater power, because people are praying together in unity and unison. They believe that this will bring them to a critical mass, and by this they will have greater power to bring in Christ's kingdom. And again, this harkens back to that great invocation. This is the latter rain religious roots, with satellite hookups and filled stadiums. So this is the, the, we're getting now to the more of the conclusion of the fruit that was started back in, whatever it was, 1948, with this latter rain revival. Now we're getting to the point where we have stadiums, we've got satellite hookups, we've got a lot more people that have come on board now. Believing this thing. We've got dominionism now, which is really a fruit of this latter-day latter, latter day manifest sons of God movement. It's more the foundation. And that's why I kind of chose to talk about it today, rather than just delving right into the subject of dominionism, which we are talking about, but let's look at the foundation of it first, which really is this. Sarah notes that this is literally the Christian version of the New Age concept of the Harmonic Convergence. She's right. This is essentially what Sarah says in the interview. The global day of prayer implies that Christ did not finish His work on the cross. Isn't that what we're kind of talking about with these manifest sons of God? We've got to finish that work for Him. Because He wasn't able to do it, evidently. We have to complete His work. The latter reign, New World Order, New order of the latter reign the manifest sons of God Joel's army this means that we are co-redeemers and co-creators with God And then she says see how well this fits in with the secret and the Moses code you know those are two other heresies praying together means we call on God to intervene with the critical mass and bless and bless the earth This is the code for dominionism you have to pray a published mantra. See how this also resembles the prayer on the Lucius Trust. Well, the Great Invocation is a specific prayer you pray. It's not just like you're praying off the cuff. It's a a specific verbiage that you use. It's like when a witch invokes a spirit, they have to be very, very specific on what they say in the spell. That's what what we're talking about here. Mass witchcraft. Well, we know that's going to be the coming one-world religion. The Antichrist is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. Witchcraft is the coming one world religion, the essence of it. And what we're talking about today is essentially witchcraft. Even this manifest sons of God stuff. And then she goes on to say, other than the recitation of their prescribed prayer, it is forbidden to give speeches or homilies or challenges or to share the word of God or to evangelize at this global day of prayer event. Of course, they don't want to get anybody converted. Oh no, uh uh-uh. No, this is all about coming into unity. This isn't about preaching on sin, or hell, or salvation. Oh no, no. There's many paths to God now, within these types of movements. In fact, these paths are dependent upon these manifest sons of God, because they're going to be our true saviors. That's the impression I'm getting by reading this. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. I mean, if they're they're gods walking in the earth, and they're going to protect us, and they're going to deliver us, I think that's where our salvation would, would have to come from, right? Well, that's another gospel. So they are cursed. I mean, I don't say that because I, I, I want them to go to hell. I don't want them to take other people to hell, though. If, if God were to start judging this, as the Bible talks about in Psalm 64, where all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, a lot of this stuff, this nonsense would start to stop. But, but the Lord, that's up to the Lord, you know. But it is something that I think we need to consider in our prayer life. Judge this wickedness, Lord. Let your name be glorified. Not the, not the name of man. But the problem is, is the Bible clearly predicts that God is going to be the one that sends this strong delusion in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, but God shall send the strong delusion that they will believe a lie that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. See, God's the one sending it. That's what's so scary about this stuff. That's why it's so important to be humble before the Lord. You know? That's why it talks about, you know, not getting puffed up and, 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 and not thinking that you're above being deceived, lest you fall. Don't ever think that you're incapable of being deceived. I know I was deceived for a long time, you know? And, and that was a humbling thing for me when I finally came to the conclusion of how deceived I really was. But that's good because humility is a prerequisite for God working with you. The Bible says, to whom to this man will I look? To him that is of a contrite spirit, of a a humble heart, and that trembleth at my word. Isaiah 66. Trembling at his word implies fear of God, humbling, meek spirit before the Lord. You know. And meek doesn't mean weak. Moses said was the meekest man on earth. But he, you know, he had a bad temper. Now I'm not saying it's good to have a bad temper. But I'm saying God looks at the heart. He sees things differently than we see them. Okay, so if we go further, these manifest sons of God teaching can be traced to the Garden of Eden, where the serpent tempts Eve by saying, Eat this fruit and you shall be as gods. Down through the ages, there have always been mystery religions based upon that age-old lie. The ancient teachings of the Great White Brotherhood, the Essene Order, the Coptics, etc., have been holding their mysteries in the sacred trust. With the rise of the new spirituality, many believe that we are ready for the coming new Christ. Let us carefully check out how these New Agers define the coming Christ. Uh, Stage 1. The birth of Christ within the individual. The New Age teaches that the Christ coming will be in three stages. First is the birthing. Again, we've talked about birthing. but um, In this, birthing... This birthing is to bring forth the Christ consciousness. So see, these people, like at this church that day, they think they're doing God's service, up there writhing around on the floor, making spectacles of themselves, but they probably really are birthing something. That's That's the terrible thing about it. It's not as though they're just up there doing nothing, and everything that they're doing is neutral, and it was just all a show. What they're birthing in the spirit world is probably something really, really horrific. How could it be something good? I mean, is there a lot of New Testament precedent for this? Where it says, thou shalt lay thyself on the floor and and writhe around and make a spectacle of yourself. To burst something into the spirit realm. There's no New Testament precedent or commandment for it. They just make it up. So this birthing is to bring forth the Christ consciousness on an individual level. When this birthing is complete, there will be a great cleansing for humanity and for the planet, the birthing is the first movement toward complete oneness with Father slash Mother God. That was from a New Age quote. Oh, the great cleansing? Hmm, I wonder if this is going to be, you know, the ones that refuse to take the mark. It's the only cleansing there's going to really be. We're going to be referred to as the Black Stones, the non-believers. Don't take that mark. Don't take that mark. There's no excuse. Don't believe that new that new age uh, left behind lie, where you can take the mark as long as your intentions are good. I, I took the mark, but I didn't really mean it. I, I really served Christ, you're, you're damned to hell. You're done. There's no redemption for you. You're yeah. That's it. Don't take it. Well, think about it this way: if they if they if they were to chop off your head one second on the other side of that is eternal glory. Okay? I mean, I'm talking as you're a born-again Christian. You refuse the mark. Okay? The the guillotine is the door. It's the door to eternal salvation in heaven. Forever and ever and ever. It's the door to that. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to have that happen to them. But I'm saying, worst case scenario? I'm just saying, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah, Taylor just made a comment. She said, they don't know it, but they're actually doing us a favor when if they were to chop our heads off. Now, I agree. Totally. And another thing you need to bear in mind, I've said this many times, don't think it's that you're going to be Mr. Big and Bad and bow up to the guillotine and say, or whatever they may put in front of you, whatever... It's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit living inside you, giving you the strength to do whatever it takes to endure to the end. They that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. That doesn't mean that our salvation is based on works. It means that the Holy Spirit that lives inside you will give you that strength. You have to have the faith to believe that, though. The one thing you have to have is the faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So that's how you build your faith, by the Word of God. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So remember, it always boils back to the Word of God. That's how we build our faith. Okay, so now if we go further, uh, this oneness occurs when the connection is made between one's individualized spark and the Godhead. This is the same teaching that the early Gnostics taught. That there is a divine spark of God within every man. This is a quote from a Gnostic teaching. The Christ is within each and every one of God's creatures. This is the same lie that Oprah's putting out and all these other New Agers. It is time to allow the Christ birthing to occur within our own being. The Christ is the spark of pure energy of God that has always existed within the individual manifestation of God in many forms. But it has been forgotten. The human soul, as a mass consciousness, is now ready to proceed with dedication back home to the Father. Oh, well put. New Age Drivel At this juncture we must ask, how then is the historical Jesus of the scriptures viewed? The answer brings profound grief to anyone who has been washed from their sins by his precious blood. This is a New Age quote. Jesus was one soul who reached the state of Christ consciousness. You notice this is the common theme here. There have been many others who've, who have achieved this state. Now this is the same thing that the manifest sons of God are saying. But this is more of a New Age quote. Then it says, He symbolized the blueprint we must follow. He said, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the blueprint or the works which I shall do, ye shall also do. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. The way is open to everyone to become a Christ. By achieving the Christ consciousness through walking the same path he walked. End of quote. The same teaching emerged in the early Latter Rain movement. In the book The Pattern of the Son, Bill Britton writes that Jesus was the first fruits among many brethren. And the pattern for many more sons to come. So, Jesus was just one of the sons of God. That's all he ever... He was the first fruits. That's it. No more than that. That's all I see him being emphasized as. I don't see him being called Lord and Savior, and without him we can do nothing, and, you know, our sins are washed away by his blood, and... and, and, No, I don't really see... Do you see that emphasized? Anything I've said? He calls this group the man-child company. They are the anointed ones and have the right to be called Christ. These are the ones... They have the right to be called devils. Let me interject that. They are of their father the devil, and of his works they will do. That's what I say. That's what the Bible says. Because by their fruit you shall know them. I think we've seen enough rotten fruit to be able to say that they are of their father the devil. And of his works they will do. Because he was the father of lies. And they're following their father. So, it goes on to say, these are the ones who have reached a very high level of anointing. Oh, I actually love that one. Oh, the anointing, the anointing. You hear that a lot within the Pentecostal. A high level of anointing. The second stage of the Christ's return, which is a concerted effort toward the spiritual unity of religions, nations, and people. Imagine that. Wow. The second stage of His return... A one world religion, one world political system, and one world government. Huh. Kind of fits in with what the Bible says a little bit. This unity is to be accomplished through the group effort above those who have now attained their Christ consciousness. Wow, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, To be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath Christ with Belial, which is the devil... Or righteousness with unrighteousness? Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be children? Wow, what about that verse? You notice they have to totally, basically put the Bible on the shelf in order to justify the stuff that they're doing. Or take little pet scriptures and twist them. In their New Age versions, no less. So, another quote from these guys. It says, By the activation of the love and wisdom through group effort, the impact of the cleansing force can be eased and utilized more as a constructive energy for humanity rather than destructive energy. The need for unity is emerging in every land on the face of the earth. The Christ, by whatever name you call him, Krishna, Muhammad, Buddha, etc., is anchored in the hearts and heard in the voices of the children of God. The Christ is the energy of these groups as individuals share their own birthing experience. Is this enough to make you sick? Oh, man. Then it says, this is the coming of the Christ in the second phase of the master plan. Bringing the Messiah again to earth as promised 2,000 years ago. The plan is unfolding mightily. When they say the 2,000 years ago promise, they're talking about when Jesus said he's going to come back. Well, they're they're just imposing that, but this time it's going to be the Antichrist. Because we know the Antichrist is going to come back before Christ returns at this point. So, I mean, you know, he's going to come back and he's going to deceive the nations and tribulation is going to start and and this is what's going to go down here. And all of these false religions are going to come on board. Unity and diversity is the foundation of a heightened vision. Not unity and diversity. This is the big thing you'll see. It's the foundation for this heightened vision. Not the bringing of groups together for the purpose of conformity. Oh no, we wouldn't want to have that Bible because you have to conform to the Bible. We want unity and diversity. In other words, anything goes. The call for unity with and without the church has never been stronger. This unity totally disregards doctrine. Doctrine is seen as evil that divides. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Crouch said doctrine, quote, I've heard him say, he said doctrine is doo-doo. That's what Paul Crouch said. And I could also send you the one where it was that big sex scandal that happened with him, where he had that, his, um gay male black lover and I'm not making this stuff up, Lonnie Ford. It was in the papers lo- locally for TBN. It didn't make regional or national headlines because they they suppressed it. He's part of the establishment. These guys are plants. I'm telling you. This thing with this 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 chauffeur driver of his, this Lonnie Ford guy that I mentioned, this happened. And they paid they tried to pay the guy off. We're talking sick devils here. Evil. But yet people think that because they have Sky Angel on in their house, that that keeps all the demons out. No, actually it's probably inviting more of them in than you would believe. Because you're not going to get sound doctrine on Christian TV. It's not going to happen. When I turn on, quote, Christian TV, I get so mad, I, I have to turn it off. Most of the time. I mean, very rare exceptions. So the doctrine is seen as the evil that divides. Those that love biblical doctrine are known as as heresy hunters. And that's what Paul Crouch also used that word as well. Heresy hunters. All you heresy hunters. And Danny Hens said he liked to blow your head off with a Holy Ghost machine gun. I've heard him say the quote. No one wants to be one of those, those heresy hunters... Keywords used to bring about that dangerous unity are the love, passion, light, illumination, revelation, knowledge, etc. I had a guy email me the other day, posted, a, tried to post a comment on my uh, website, and it was about, I think the one on the Bible is hate speech, that we just did, and I did, I did correct that audio, just in case, if any of you were thinking, that. I know the first eight minutes were real scratchy, last week, I apologize for that. But, I had a guy post a comment, and the comment read something to the effect of, remember, the title of it was The Bible is Hate Speech. He says, my religion is love. And I go about to bring this love to all humanity, and this, I I just deleted it. I I didn't even want to read it. You know, you can invent whatever religion you want to invent. Most people do. And that religion will take you to hell. And Satan's deceived you, and that's all that really matters to him, as long as he gets you to hell with him, ultimately to the lake of fire. That's all that's really going to matter. Misery loves company, wants to take as many people as he can with him. That's what this all boils down to. Every bit of it. So, let's see what the Bible says about doctrine. Okay? Let's just, let's take a quick look. Let's just look at one part in the Bible that talks about doctrine. Let's go to Psalm 119. And let's see if, if, you know, God thinks in His Word that doctrine, what He thinks about doctrine. I'm just going to read some books or, or some sermons here. Sermons, verses. Sorry, I'm a little off today. Um, Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's how we cleanse our way. That's also how we build our faith, remember? That's why it's good to start your day reading the Bible. Because it's like you're cleansing your way. Okay? But you take heed of God's word. And then it says, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, That I might not sin against thee. That's why it's important to memorize scripture. Hide your word in his heart. In your heart. So you don't sin against God. Then let's go to verse 27 and 28. Make me to understand thy way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. So we're asking God to, to make me understand the way of thy precepts. But see, this doctrine, it's not important, right? I mean, that's what the New Agers and the Manifest Sons of God are saying. It's not important. It's sure not what the Bible says. It says in verse 28, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Are you weak? Go to the word of God to get strength. Verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. How many times is that preached on anymore? Devoted to God's fear? Well, that's what the psalmist said. He's devoted to his fear. And, and he established thy word unto thy servant. He's asking him to do this. For, let's go to verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy word. This implies mercy through the word of God, seeking God through his word. Let thy mercies come unto me. Even thy salvation. How do you get saved apart from the word of God? If we didn't have the word of God, how do we get saved? How would we know how to get saved? It's all according to his word. Next verse. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. So how do you how do you answer the gainsayers? How do you answer all these false religions? Well, you do it through the word of God. Then it says, For I trust in thy word, and I take not the word of truth utterly, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Sounds pretty important to me. Let's go to verse 49. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. That's how we also derive hope from the word of God. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. The word quicken means to make make alive. You want to be made alive? More from a spiritual standpoint, okay? The word is what quickens you. Quickens your spirit. And the reborn spirit that lives inside you as a born again Christian. Let's go to 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. This is why God afflicts us and chastens us, because we go astray without his afflictions. Not my rule book, his rule book. Okay, so don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I can relate to that verse, big time. Not to say that I walk around living in sinless perfection, or I think I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying, that's a a scriptural tenet there. Now let's go to verse 89. Now, this is just one chapter in the Bible. I understand it's the longest chapter. Okay? Just as a little sidebar there. Longest chapter in the Bible. But it's one chapter. Does it seem like doctrine might be important? Hmm. I don't know. Seems pretty obvious to me. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So, if you're reading a Bible that's not the word of God, you're not reading what's already settled in heaven. Read the King James Bible. Forever, O oh Lord, that word is settled in heaven. Then verse 93, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. He's asking to be saved because he sought his precepts in the word of God. Now again, if you have any doubts about this King James issue, email me or do a keyword search for King James on my site. And I, I should have an attachment up there on my sermons. And if not, I'll I'll email you the word document. I'm sorry if I don't respond with really long replies anymore. I'm just getting too... I'm just so overwhelmed with emails right now. It's, it's kind of tough for me to do long replies anymore. Um, let's go to uh, Psalm 103. How sweet are thy words unto my mouth, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. So this is how we get understanding as well. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a a lamp and a light. See, this is darkness that we're talking about today with this dominionism, manifest sons of God stuff. It's darkness. How do we get our way illuminated to show this darkness to be the darkness that it is? Well, you compare it to the word of God, which will light our way. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Where's the downside? I don't see it. It's all good may not all be what you want to hear, but it's all good if you think about it. So I'm going to go ahead and stop here in the second part, and we'll go to the, uh, I believe, last and third part and, uh, next. Next.